Let's stand up and give God some praise on this new Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning of the new year. Let's get this new year started off right by giving God praise, by giving him honor, and by glorifying his name, worshiping at the throne of the King. Now you are the same. 
God, we call in on you. We call in on you, Father. God, as we start this new year, Father, we want to be in your will. We want to walk in your way. We want to walk in the plan that you have for us, Father. We don't want to look at the waves and the storm around us, but Lord, we want to keep our eyes on you because you are faithful. You are faithful. You've never left us nor forsook us, Father. You've always been there to take care of us, and Lord, we're going to trust in you this year. See you. 
Take a moment right now. We always on Sunday morning have a time for prayer. And I came with one thing on my prayer for us to pray this morning. And it was for a fresh move of God upon his church. This song encapsulates the very essence of that prayer. God, we need a fresh wind a pouring out from heaven, a holy anointing, a holy anointing. And we are desperate for you to pour out your spirit. I was going to take time a little bit later for us to pray, not just for Life Church, but all the churches in this area, that this would be our prayer for this coming year. I just feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to do that now. And then we'll go on. Then we'll go on. But I, I'm just telling you, there's something the Holy Spirit is saying. We cannot go into this new year. We cannot face the things that are coming in this coming year without fresh oil, fresh wind, fresh move, fresh touch of the Holy Spirit of God. Yesterday's manna was good, but it won't meet tomorrow's needs, and it won't meet the needs for today. And so can we join together, right? This is going to be our corporate time of prayer, and we're going to pray this very song that we've been, we've been singing here. We need God to pour it out, and we don't need just a little pouring, you know. We, we need just a deluge from heaven to move upon his church. Why? Because the church is the agent that God wants to use to change our world, to impact our world. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the, the light. You are salt of the earth. We need that. We need God to move in that way in this year. How many of you can agree with that? Amen. Let's can we just be united in prayer right now? And then I want to sing that one more time before we go on to another song. But let us pray that right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you this day with a sense of urgency that says, God, we need a fresh outpouring of your spirit, a fresh move, Lord God. A fresh wind that blows across your church, across this land, Lord God, bringing life once again, bringing forth life. The church is to be the agent that sows seed, and in the seed is life, and life comes forth from it. God, we pray for a move of your spirit upon the churches across Acadiana. Lord God, we pray for a divine move of your spirit, not a manufactured one, not one that is programmed and worked out and, 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 and planned and all of that stuff. God, I pray for divine interventions that will take place from the pulpits to the pews, Lord God, all the way into the streets of our cities and towns 
and communities, Lord. Father, a move of the Holy Ghost. Mighty God, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Break down the walls. Break down the barriers. Break down those things that separate your people, Lord God. Let a spirit of unity be poured out. A unity that says as we walk in you, as we walk in you, Lord God, then we are one with each other, Lord. It's not a matter of us becoming united together. It's a matter of us walking united in you. And as we are one in you, then God, we are one together in the body of Christ. We pray for an impact in this mighty, in this coming year that would be unlike anything that has been seen to date. And there are some of us in here we could say we have seen mighty moves, mighty manifestations of your spirit, Lord, in times past. But you're not the God of yesterday. You're the God of now. And what you have now, your word says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard yes, the things that you have prepared for though your people, Lord God. That is not just over in the sweet by and by. That's here right now, right now. God, I pray for every pastor, every minister that, that gets behind a pulpit, whether it's ministering to one or two or to 1,200 or, or doesn't matter, Lord. God, let there be a move of God in their hearts. Release them, Lord. I see, I see right now, I see tired preachers. They're putting on the smile of a new year for their people, but they're tired and they're worn out. God, send the fire. Send the fire. Relight that fire within them, Lord God. Reignite that fire within them, Lord God. In their weakness, let them be made strong in you, O oh God. Holy Ghost, let your prophesying break forth in the church. Let the word and the movement and the manifestation of the Spirit be seen more and more and more. Not that it's a rarity, but it becomes the normal. For you delight to show yourself on behalf of your people, Lord God. Pour your spirit out. Sing it right now again. Pour your spirit out. 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 Pour your spirit out.
desire spiritual gifts we must begin to pray individually in our lives that God will give us the spiritual gifts it is no use asking the Lord to do something unless we've asked him personally and individually to give us the gifts of the Holy Ghost I believe the Lord is grieved because we do not ask. We do not ask in our personal lives for this. I don't know about your prayer lives, of course, but if in your prayer life you are not asking God to give you gifts, it will not happen. The Bible says, desire spiritual gifts that ye might prophesy, that ye may speak in tongues, that you might interpret. Now we are not doing that. I don't believe God's people are doing that. I have been in this country for a number of years and it has grieved my heart that when I go into services, there are no tongues, there are no interpretations, there are no prophecies. It's because people have not asked you must seek God for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I'm not a member of this church yet, and I have no influence in this church at all, and I do not desire to have that. I just feel that that is what I have to say to you this morning. Seek spiritual gifts. Seek them. Pray for them. Fast for them. Ask God to use you. Do not think that he's going to use someone else. He wants to use you. Thank you, Lord.
going on this morning? Why you, why you keep interrupting the worship time? Holy Ghost said he wants to do something today. He wants to do something every time we come together. We don't want to organize the Holy Spirit out because then all you got is a club, a social organization. The church is alive. It's an organism. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's alive. And the Holy Spirit's in charge, right? So a few moments ago, Brother Bobby came to me with a scripture and a word and said, if you feel it's appropriate, I'll share it. If not, I'll go sit down. Well, then they start singing this song about an altar, and it's appropriate. And so we're going we're gonna to share that word right now. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do right now. And they're going to keep playing this song. So, Brother Bobby, come read the scripture and just tell them that simple word that God gave you. Hallelujah. The word of God says it, and going along with what Pastor said, pastors, preachers, teachers of the word of God, they're tired. But they put on their false face to look good for the congregation, to look for the good for the body, for the local home group, or whatever it may be. But the Word of God says this, that every priest goes to work at the altar each day. He offers the same old sacrifices year in and year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. But as a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. Then he sat down right beside God, and he waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process the Holy Spirit confirms this. This new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled on stone. This time, I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. God, Jesus Christ, is carving it on the linings of our hearts. Brother, Thank you. Thank you, because what is missing is the move of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, the interpretations of tongues, prophetic word. It's dead in the church today. And one of the reasons why it's dead in the church, and as I was telling Pastor Bob, so many of us, and I'm guilty as well, We've been carrying offenses for years and years and years and years. And, and I can't help it, but I'm feeling the Holy Spirit move all over my body right now. We cannot continue carrying these offenses from years past into the new year and expecting something new. And many of us have carried on offenses. We've been offended because of what somebody said. We've been offended because of something in our family has passed. We've been offended by what this preacher or what that teacher or so-and-so in this denomination or that denomination has done or said. 
It's time to put those offenses down and come to the altar and say, God, I'm tired of playing. I'm tired of not being real. I'm tired of not receiving everything that you have already died on the cross and have provided for me. And as our brother said earlier, we don't have it because we don't pray for it. We don't have the gifts because we don't expect them to be, be able to receive them. Expect. You want to move in prophetic words? Come put the past behind and say, God, I'm available. You want to be available to minister the word to anybody in the street, anybody in the store that you pass by? Then come put your past behind you at the altar and say, God, I am here. The word of God called out. Is there but one who will stand for me? Will one stand in the gap for the lost? Will one come and pray and intercede for those who are dying and going to hell? We look at the world today and we look at the troubles all around the world. And we say, that'll never happen in America. You better wake up, folks. It's happening. People are fleeing their countries today because they think America is this great hope. And America is great. But guess what? It is under massive, massive spiritual attack from the enemy. And it's coming from within side because the body of Christ will not take their rightful stand and intercede and pray and fall on their faces before God and say, God, I am here. Use me. Use me. If you have past offenses, come up to the altar now. Come to the altar. Don't stand and wait. Come running to the altar. Come running to the altar and say, God, I am available. God, I'm tired of the past. I'm not bringing the past forth anymore. This is it. The past is gone. I am coming expecting in this new year. It doesn't matter if you've been an usher. It doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher. Put your pride down. It doesn't matter if you've been on the worship team. It doesn't matter. God wants truth and honesty in you, in your heart. He wants a pure heart to come before him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've got baggage that you're carrying around, unforgiveness, it's time to put it on the altar. It's time to put it on the altar. And I want us to sing that song again, except I want to make a word change if I can. Instead of fill me up, I want us to pray, burn me up. <laughs> burn it up. Burn it all up. Burn it all up. Get it all out. John the Baptist said when the one who comes after me said I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. He said he will baptize you with Holy Ghost fire. And everything that doesn't belong he'll take out with the trash and put it on the fire heap and burn it. It's time to quit carrying around unforgiveness and bitterness. It's time to, it's just any baggage in your life. I, I can't list it all. Whatever secret sins you're carrying around, 
It's time to put it on the altar. We're going to sing this to God. God, you provide the fire and I'll provide the sacrifice. And the sacrifice is going to be the baggage of my life. I am not going through 2023 carrying that same garbage that I've been hauling around all this time. God, I'm walking out of Life Church today and I am going to be free. If you're burdened down by worry, I sense that you're worried about the future. Can I tell you, you don't need to be worried about the future. You need to be concerned about today because he's in charge of tomorrow. Come on now. We're going to take a few minutes. We're going to sing this song again. You provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. And God, then I want you to burn it up. Burn it up. Burn it up everything I lay on that altar. Let the fire of God fall.
Hallelujah. Father, it's with great anticipation and expectation. There's an expectation in the air, Lord God, in the atmosphere, in the spiritual realm. Give us wisdom and understanding for the hour. Let us hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Jesus. Till there's nothing left. I'm on the altar. I'm on the altar. Burn it up. Till there's nothing left. Nothing. 
you for Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Give us even spiritual ears that are so finely tuned to hear his voice. In every waking moment, and even when we're asleep, when he says, wake up, that our spirits are so in tune, we wake up. When he says pray, we pray. When he says speak, we speak. This year. This year will be profound for many within your church. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Give us ears to hear that we might hear what you are saying. God, it isn't that you've quit speaking. It's that the church has quit listening. Give us ears to hear and quicken our hearts and spirits to that word. We pray in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can you give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. Well, glad that you're here. A lot of our folks are traveling and, and all that, but we're, I'm going to go right into the Word, the message of the Word. I'm aware of what time it is, but uh, we're, we're just glad you're here. And just let you know that in two weeks, uh, the church as a whole, we're going to begin a corporate fast for two weeks. There'll be more information about that coming up. We'll post it on our private uh, on our Facebook page, uh, get the word out to you, and um, but just know we're, we're going into that fast with expectation of God doing something in that period of time. Last year we fasted for a week as a church, and God just moved in tremendous ways, so we're doubling it this year, and we're going to fast for 14 days. One night we'll have a night of worship and prayer, not just worship, but worship and prayer. Um, uh, I just, just like what we've had like this morning. I mean, this is, this to me is key. Worship tends to open a door, open a portal, if I can put it that way, uh, an entryway into the spirit realm. And, but it, the church today, we fall back so much, we fall back too easily on let's just have a night of worship, but you call a prayer meet and no one shows up. But I believe that when you come and you begin to worship, then the Spirit of God will begin to move and he'll stir on our hearts things to begin to pray about corporately because when we agree together, there's power in agreement. So we're going to have a night of worship and prayer. But we'll give you more information about that. It's really unique that this is January 1 and we're meeting here on a Sunday. And, um, and uh, I'm excited about it. I really am. But I, I want to bring this word to you this morning. Uh, I'm going to read several passages of scripture, but I'm going to use this as the base. In Romans 1, 1 and 17, it says, For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written that the righteous 
by faith will live, or the righteous shall live by faith. That, that when we read things like that, that repeat itself, like faith to faith, we just kind of ignore that. We don't really dig too deep into it. So I kind of looked at it. This has been on my mind for a couple of months, um, this, this avenue of the idea of, of concept and precept of faith. And, and the word faith to faith, there are two different words in the original language. I'm not going to get into all of that. But it says from faith to faith, but one word is, is, is talking about belief, and the other word is talking about finish. So from the moment of belief to the point of finish. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, that's what he's talking about. He says, it, the, the righteousness of God, the character of God, the nature of God, everything about God is revealed in the gospel from faith to finish, if I can put it that way. But for the right, it says, for the righteous will live by faith. It's not a one-off thing. It's not a one-time kind of thing. Faith is not a destination. It's a journey. And I'm going to repeat that a couple times today because there's been so much teaching on faith that a lot of it erroneous because we've made it into something that you, you, you can like contain it somehow, or you can maintain it, grow it, use it, a vehicle. Look, the Bible says to each has been given a measure of faith. It is that, that point that when we come and receive Christ, it was by faith that we were saved. It was that, that measure, that seed of faith that caused us to believe. But how many of you know when you came to Christ, you didn't arrive? You just started. <laughs> and nobody told me that, but we just started, you know. And it says so that the righteousness that of who God is is revealed in the gospel from the beginning of my belief through the finishing or the walking out to the end of it. For it says the righteous shall live by faith. Okay? So faith is a journey. It's a process. We walk it out in, in, in Jesus. And oftentimes, when we struggle, the struggle of faith that we're going through, and, and I'll say some more about this, it's to prepare us for what's to come. I was not prepared when I came to Christ for what was to come. I had no clue. I came to Jesus during the hippie movement, okay? And I was told, try Jesus. He's the greatest high. The problem with the high is there's always a low. But I thought you could just stay high in Jesus. Nobody told me that when I came to Christ, I was enlisted in the army of God. That immediately I had a target put on my back. That there was an enemy who was after me and he was out to retrieve me and get me back into his kingdom. I didn't know any of that stuff. And I think we do wrong by so many people today when the church preaches an easy gospel that all, all it means to get saved is just pray this little prayer and you come to Jesus and that's all that matters. We are telling them 
barely the truth. Yes, we have to believe, and yes, we must confess, and yes, we, but we need to understand that Jesus said, you've got to lay down your cross, your life, pick up my cross, follow me, and, and that it's not, the, the carrying of a cross is not an easy thing, okay? But that's another message for another time. <laughs> what God is wanting to do in our life is cre build our faith. We, we grow in our faith, in, in, in our belief. See, it's two different parts. It's a process of growing in, walking out our faith. Where I started was real, but that's, what I started with is not enough to sustain me 50 years later. I've had to grow. And, and I'm still not arrived. I'm still not there. I still must grow. And God is trying to raise our level of faith so that we, he can move us with confidence into the next level, into the next thing that he has for us. God always prepares us for what lies ahead. And that's why Romans 8, 14 says, he says this, he says, he says, for as many are as led of the, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if, and if you hadn't figured out, that's my title right there, the eyes of faith. That's what God's wanting us to see today. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, a scripture that we, we, we quote, the last half we quote all the time, says, we walk by faith and not by sight. When the word walk means uh, uh, we live or conduct ourselves. So he says we, we live and conduct ourselves by faith. But that word faith means belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, faithfulness. I mean, and he says, and not by sight. So he says, he says we walk, we conduct ourselves by faith. In other words, by the trust confidence, assurance, faithfulness that we have in who God is and what he has said he will do and be for us. That's what, that's what it is. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Faith is not a destination, it is a journey. I, 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 you know, I, I, I remember thinking years ago, I said, oh, God, why, if, if, if it's, here, here's what people do all the time. They go witness to people and they go, don't you want to go to heaven? Problem is, I'm not in heaven. And yes, I do want to go to heaven. But my issues are right here on earth right now. You know? And we, we make it sound like that, that when you come to Christ, heaven's going to surround you. Can I say, my, my citizenship gets moved to heaven, but I'm still here on earth. And, and now I've got to walk by faith. I've got to conduct myself. I've got to live out my life in a way that shows what I say I believe. And how many of you know that when you first start out, you don't even know what you believe hardly? And little by little, you start learning. And little by little, you start growing. Line upon line, precept upon precept. From glory to glory, he's changing us. Faith is, 
is not a, a destination. It is not a place that you get to that you can sit down, put your feet up, and go, I've arrived. <laughs> faith to faith is what the scripture says. Faith to finish is a process that God desires for each and every one of us. It is the ability to live our lives in a manner that exudes. I use that word. I looked it up to make sure it was right. <laughs> it, it, it means like it's like, it's just eking out of you the presence of God. You know, I remember when I was a young Christian, I'd meet, I met a man one, night, one time, his name was J.C. Anderson in California. He, 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 was a, he was illiterate. He could not read. He drove a street sweeper on the streets of the city of California where he lived. And that man exuded the presence of God. I mean, his face literally like glowed. First time I saw him in a home meeting, I went there because they said a movie star um, from, from a, a famous TV show at the time was going to be there. And uh, he didn't show up, but J.C. Anderson did. And he was such a quiet, meek-mannered fellow, only about like five, six or so, five, seven, whatever. And they said, oh, that's Brother Anderson. And I said, J.C., J.C., Jesus Christ? That's weird, you know. That was his name, J.C. I never knew what J.C. stood for. But when I met him, I said, he's like, Jesus, man. I mean, this guy is something. And he was speaking in this large house meeting. I was in an overflow room, large, like Victorian kind of style house, large living room with like four rows of folding chairs all the way around. We were in like the dining room off the side, three rows of folding chairs, Tiger, and I'm sitting in the, in the back row with a guy. I've never been to a house meeting. I've never seen the move of the Holy Spirit. And as this man was speaking, and he's speaking so quietly, you, everybody's almost leaning in to hear him, but he's talking like he knows Jesus personally. And then all of a sudden he stopped. And I remember he turned and looked in my direction. And I remember I honked down behind the two guys in front of me. And he pointed that way. And they didn't want to be caught either, so they kind of leaned this way. And it just led to me. And he's like doing like this. And I'm going, one of them? He goes, no, you. I said, me? Yes, you. And he calls me out. I didn't know what he was going to do. Man, it's tall. You know, I'm like, okay. I walk out in the front of the room, and he leans up to me, and he whispers something in my ear. I think I turned as white as a ghost because he told me something about my life that not even my mama knew. And mamas know everything. And then he said to me, he said, God told me, to tell you this so that you would know he's real because he has a call for you. He said, do you understand? Kind of. I really, I was a newbie. I didn't know anything. I said, kind of. And he, he reached up with two fingers like this to put on my forehead. I never felt him. It's like there was a force field between his fingers and my forehead. 
and I went down on hardwood floor. My mama said she heard my head crack the floor. I, I saw myself fall in a field of popcorn. And I laid there for like 45 minutes while he went on and ministered. I was oblivious. It's like I could hear stuff in, way off in the distance. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I was, I was as dumb as a fence post when it came to the things of God. Okay? But that moment changed my life. I had believed in Christ just a few weeks before. Then I went to a David Wilkerson outdoor air crusade where I heard about repentance and, and putting your life on the altar for God, and I answered that call. Now all of a sudden, a few months go by, and I'm, I'm, I'm in Modesto, California, in this person's house to see a movie star, and God himself shows up. Through a man who's illiterate, cannot read. His wife would read him the Bible every night for hours. And the Holy Spirit just soaked it into him. It, he just exuded the Spirit of God, the whole, uh, Jesus. A couple of months went by, and I heard he was going to be at a breakfast meeting in Tur down in Turlock, California. Uh, no, south of there. I'm trying to remember where it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter restaurant meeting, and there was going to be a famous singer there, and uh, Robert Frost, who wrote A Glow with the Spirit, one of the first books about the charismatic move and everything, and, uh, and, and was going to be a speaker, and I heard J.C. was coming, and I said, Mama, we got to go, so we, we drove down there early that morning. We're in a restaurant, and it's like the restaurant was up, the main part of the restaurant was upstairs, but this is like a back room downstairs kind of thing. They held a few hundred people. And everybody's ordering breakfast and everything. They got a head table, you know, with all the dignitaries and whatever up there. And all of a sudden, there's a room, there's just this buzz in the room and, and behind us. I'm like, what's going on? You're hearing dishes clattering like, like, like five different servers just ran into each other carrying the trays of dishes, you know, for breakfast or whatever. And, and, and I hear, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, what happened? And I look, and here comes Brother J.C. Anderson. And he's just walking down here. And as he's walking by, the power of God's hitting people. And, and he, he's hitting the, the restaurant people who are bringing out food. They're not even there for the meeting. And they're falling out under the power of God. Scrambled eggs and hash browns are going everywhere, my friends. And I'm going, whoa, what is that? And they said, it's just the... And as he walked down through the aisle, up, they said, brother, we have a place for you at the head table. He said, no, I just sit over here. No, we want you up here. And as he walked by, boom, 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 boom. Nobody prayed for anybody. Nobody touched anybody. He just walked. He exuded the presence of Jesus. And as a young person, I said, I want that. I want my life to be that way. I will tell you, it's been 50 plus years. I've never had anybody fall out when I walk by. 
I'm believing that maybe one day it will happen. But that's not the point. God wants us to live our lives in a manner that literally oozes, if I can use that way, the trust in the one in whom we have believed. It's for that reason that Paul wrote to Timothy in his letter and he said, for I know whom I have believed. Not only do I know, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. One, I, I looked up that word committed. It means deposited. He said it was like, I believe in you so much. I, believe, reach in, hand out your wallet and hand it with everything in it to somebody and say, I try, I'm depositing this with you. That's what Paul was saying. He said, I know in whom I've believed because I've trusted him. It's because God knows that he's able to say, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that because he knows. How did he know? By the experience that he had faith to faith. It's, it's not a magical, mystical, spiritual formula of something that you do like 14 times over 21 days or something like that, that's good, you're, like you're going to arrive. It's walking from the moment of belief and trusting in him. And as I walk and trust in him, my faith grows. I'm walking it out. The just shall live by faith. And, and Paul understood this by his daily life experience. All the years of trial and blessings through which he had passed. And when you and I go through a trial or a test and we don't fail, hear what I'm saying. Here, let me say two things. There are going to be times that you're going to fail. In God. Come on now. Because if you think you're not, you're lying to yourself. But there's an old saying that says, even when I fall flat on my face, I'm still moving forward. When you fail, fail forward in God. And then repent and ask for his help and get up and let him dust you off and set you back on the right path. But every time you have a test or an obstacle or whatever and you trust God and you step out and believe God and you pass that test, it makes you stronger in your relationship with God. And every time you come out of it and you pass the test, it creates another level of faith in you so that the next encounter or the next obstacle, the next battle that you have, your level of faith is going to be so high because of your past experience. You could say, from the moment I believed, I know in whom I believe because I walked it out and he's walked it out with me and you'll be victorious over the enemy. Somebody said, you mean defeat the enemy? No, he's already defeated. I don't need to defeat what is already defeated. Jesus defeated the enemy. What I need to do is walk in the victory that God has already 
put before me that he's already allowed me to do. The enemy wants us to think that we got to fight him on his terms. God wants us to understand he's already defeated. I have overcome him. All you need to do is walk it out by faith exactly what you say you believe. See, God puts us or allows us to get in situations where our faith is stretched. I started using an illustration, but I figured that is so dumb, people don't understand it anyway. But how many of you know you can buy rubber, you can get a rubber band that's real thin and small, another one's medium, you can get big ones, whatever. But the point is, they're worthless unless they're stretched. If I have a five-inch rubber band and I got a two-inch ruler and I stick it in the middle, guess what? It is not going to work. It's made for something bigger than five inches. So God wants us to where we, from, from faith to faith, as the righteousness of God, the character of God, the nature of God is revealed to us, through the gospel of Christ, he wants us to grow to where we're stretching. Now, I can tell you, stretching sometimes is not comfortable. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've been doing some physical therapy lately for my back. And, and there was a day last week I couldn't move. And I went back to him two days later. He said, well, how are we doing today? I said, I can barely move today. Couldn't move yesterday. He said, well, what brought that about? I said, the only thing different we did was two exercises. I said, I don't know which one did it, but we ain't doing those again. He said, well, we need to. He said, I said, well, not as many. I said, because obviously this 67-year-old body's not ready for it. And so he said, well, let's cut out one and just do the other. I said, I can't tell you which one it was because you did two new things. If you'd only done one, I'd have known what it was. And he said, well, let's just back off of it a little bit. And so he's got me stretching, and he's got me doing different, different things, you know. And, 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 and certain things that in the beginning were hard are easy. Because why? Because I've been exercising that. I've been using those muscles, and now that part's become easier. So he's introducing new things to stretch me even more. God wants to stretch us. And because the Bible says it's in him that we live and move and have our very being. And we will never arrive in this life to the place or level in God where there's nothing else to discover, learn, or grow. Never. If you, I had a man one time rush my pulpit. It was in North Louisiana. And um, I had a little outline for the message that morning and that we put in the bulletin, you know. And he came down the middle of the aisles of Wednesday night. He had veins popping out of his neck. He was red as red could be, and he was wadding up those notes, and he came up to the pulpit, and I was up on a platform about that high. He came up, and he threw it at me. He said, I'm tired of this mess. And I just said, brother, and I called him by name. I said, tired of what? He said, I didn't come here to learn. I came to have church. You know, sometimes your best answer is just keep your mouth shut. 
Because when you're arguing with stupid people, you're going to lose. I'm, I'm being honest. You said, Pastor, I can't believe you said stupid. My wife's at home cringing right now. But you can't. He said, I didn't come here to learn. I came here to have church. You're either growing or you're dying. You're either moving forward or you're going backwards. There is no stationary in God. You might think so, but as God's moving on, you're getting left behind because God is not stopping. God's not going to go, oh, wait, everybody, hold up. We need to wait for so-and-so until they decide they want to join the group. No. You either get on board or get left behind. You say, well, I don't think God would do that. Then you haven't read your Bible. Because when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they came to an oasis, and it was palm, palm trees and figs and everything else and water and everything, and, and they were there for a while, and then the word came that the sound went forth, they pack up, God's presence is moving, and there were some people who said, no, we're going to stay here. We like it here. And God moved off without them. And they found out that the blessing that they had been enjoying was not the oasis, but it was the presence of God and his provision while they were in the presence of God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. First Corinthians 2.16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Romans 11.34 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? There's a theme running here. It's like, listen, God, when Moses went to Pharaoh, when God picked Pharaoh, when God picked Moses out, and he, 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 he showed 10 different instances that incredible things took place when Moses went before Pharaoh, okay? But God didn't just do those things to convince Pharaoh to let the Jewish people go out to, you know, because Moses went and said, God wants to let his people go for three days into the wilderness so they can go out and worship. And, um, and Pharaoh was adamant about it. He, and you would think he was doing these things to convince Pharaoh to let the Jewish people go that were in slavery. But God also did those miraculous things to reveal to the Hebrews who he was and what he could do that he could control the natural elements, that he could do the miraculous, that he literally ruled over life and death. The Jewish people had been in Egypt for 400 plus years, and they'd been surrounded by hundreds of, and thousands of different gods, and the Jewish people needed to know who their God was because he was getting ready to take them to a place where they were going to cross over to a new life. So when they get to the Red Sea and they're, they're hemmed in on each side by rocks on each side, the Red Sea before them, and Pharaoh's coming from behind them and bearing down on them, what is Pharaoh coming for? Not to kill them, but to drag them all back into slavery again. Because they said, what have we done? We've gotten rid of the ones who made bricks for us. We need to go and get them. 
and he goes out to get them. What are they going to do? There's nothing that they could do, but there's only something that God could do. And they should have known by the plagues that God did, turning the river to blood and, and frogs and 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 all that kind of stuff. They should have known, hey, our God's got this in the bag. But the people were frightened. And because of that, Moses stood up and says, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. I want you to focus in on that last part there. You know, we all can picture the part, you know, in, in the, the, the Ten Commandments, you know, where Charlton Heston stands up and goes, be still, you know. I remember when my daughter Tracy, who's upstairs teaching children's church, when she was a little girl, she was doing something, and she was. we had the movie Ten Commandments playing, and, and she heard Moses speak in the movie, you know. Charlton Heston, and, and she goes, Mama, is that, is, 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 and, and, you know, she says, was the voice that answered that man, was that God? And God spoke to Moses, you know, in the movie. And, and she goes, yeah, baby, that was God. She goes, I thought it was, I recognized it. And we both laughed, and then I went, oh, she recognized that voice, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's why Moses could say with such confidence because of what God had already done through Pharaoh. I mean, go back and look at it. I went back, I got up early and went back and looked at it again this morning because each time that God confirmed Moses' word, Moses' faith in God who had called him became stronger and more sure for the next thing that was going to come against him. Remember? Because every time he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh turned around and made it harder for the Hebrew people. Now look, you speak up and you make it worse for your own people. Your own people are going to tell you to shut up. But he goes back to Pharaoh and says, okay, you've upped the game. God's upping his. If you do, now I'm going to let this happen. And it happens. And everybody in Egypt's crying out except the Hebrews who are not, you know, the judgment doesn't fall on them. And, and he goes back and now Pharaoh gets angrier. And he says, now not only do they need to make bricks, they got to get the straw to make the bricks. And every time it gets worse. But how can Moses have confidence? Because he saw, oh yeah, man, he did this. He, he did this, and he did this, and he did this. And each time, his faith became even more sure in the one who called him. So I went back and looked again. I said, I will make sure I understand this. Because what happened when God called Moses? What happened? Go back and look at it. And, Mo, and, he's, and, and, and God tells Moses, throw down your staff. And what happens to it? Come on. Turns into a serpent, right? And then he says, grab it by the tail. Well, duh, I ain't grabbing it by the head. <laughs> they not only want to grab it, right? But he picks it up and he becomes a staff again. And then God says, okay, now stick your hand inside your cloak. And he pulls it out, his hand is leprosy. And he said, now stick it back in again and pull it out. And his hand is healed. And he said, if those two things don't convince him, he said, go get some water out of the Nile and pour it on the ground, and the whole Nile will turn blood red. 
I mean, and so what happens? He goes before Pharaoh, throws a stick down, becomes a serpent. The magicians do the same thing, but then Moses' serpent, uh, a staff eats theirs. <laughs> I mean, like, they can't pick it up because there ain't, it ain't there no more. I mean, it just, you see what happened each time, even though the, the conditions got worse, Moses became more sure of the one who had called him. Because he's going from faith to faith. He's from the point of calling to the point of he's walking this thing out. And each time he's, he's sure, he's convinced that God is who God says he is. In 1 Samuel 17, we won't go through the whole story, but it's the place where, where David goes down to visit his brothers and the story of Saul, you know, and Goliath and David and that whole thing, you know. Uh, Goliath, David's going to go and go out to challenge Goliath and Saul the king who stood ahead above everybody else who's hiding in his tent he, he says you can't go out because Goliath has been raised as a warrior since his youth and you're not even a warrior you're a shepherd and 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 and, and this is, look what the scripture says. And Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. That's a great big thing on the resume. Warrior since birth, you know. I keep sheep, okay? But look what it says. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, this individual who has no covenant relationship with the Almighty God will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And David goes on and says, and the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David's faith concerning the outcome of facing Goliath was never in question with him because of the previous test that God had allowed a lion, a bear, and he, he grabs it by his hands. It doesn't say he snuck up on it with a 30-30. <laughs> you know, he didn't sneak up on it with a bazooka. He stuck up on it, grabbed his hair and struck it and, and killed the lion and killed the bear. And because of those previous experiences, he looks out at Goliath and says, all I see is one more that's going to go down in the name of God. Because of his previous thing, he had a relationship with God and he had begun to walk it out and he began, he had experience with the lion, he had experience with the bear, and now he's going to have an experience with Goliath. The three, the three, young three Hebrew children, the young men, they were, they were thrown into the furnace. But their faith changed not only the heart of a king, it changed the nation for God. But you can't change the heart of a king and you can't change the heart of a nation unless you're willing to get in the fiery furnace. 
And you can't live a supernatural life unless you have lived in the impossible. Because if all you have are situations that you can control and you can handle, you don't need God. But the minute you begin to follow God and he begins to take you on his journey and you're going, you want me to go where? You want me to do what, Lord? Let's pray about that. Let's uh, fast. Um, uh, uh, give me a minute. I'm thinking of scriptures, Lord. I'm not sure we should go that direction, but Holy Spirit is saying, go this way. And you are going, you know it's easier to go this way, but God says, no, I want you to go this way. The natural realm almost always is declaring the opposite of what the Spirit of God is saying. Almost always. And if you allow your natural eyes to, to determine what you believe, you will always be in bondage. That's why it says we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me close. I, I need to close, but I, I need to tell you something that... It, what stirred all this up in me. About two months ago, uh, I was on a Zoom call with about 50 pastors from across the country. And uh, there was a gentleman from, a pastor from Birmingham who was sharing for about 15 minutes just what God had laid on his, on his heart. I shared this with the staff about a month ago. And um, he talked about how they had answered the call to go to... Um, uh, to the mission field. They were in Costa Rica, if I remember right. But as soon as they got there, they knew that they didn't belong there, that they needed to come home. But they had a two-year commitment to be there, so they stayed there. But the whole time, their heart is back in the United States. And God told them to go to Birmingham, Alabama. I, listen, I've been to Birmingham. I have two sisters live in Birmingham. I just, one of them was watching, I know. And uh, so um, I'd have to pray hard, too to leave Costa Rica to go to Birmingham. <laughs> I mean, to leave Costa Rica to go anywhere. Costa Rica is a beautiful place if you've never been there. And, um, but he says, when they came home, they got off the plane. Somebody picked them up, and they got off the plane. They had their suitcases with them, and they realized they owned nothing. They didn't have a car. They didn't have a place to live. They didn't have anything but was what was in those suitcases. And that they realized that they'd been thinking about this, praying about this for two years, knowing that this was the will of God for their lives. But reality checked in. The minute that somebody handed them keys to their car and says, here, you can drive our car for you know, the next week or so until you get situated. They had no place to go. I had nothing. And he was, he was saying at that point, he said, our faith was, was like hitting a wall. <laughs> like, whoa, did we really hear from God? But they began to pray, and they knew that they were there under God's order. And a few months went by, and as they drove by a public school, the Lord spoke to his wife and says, that's where we're going to open our church. And her husband says, well, you know, the schools are not allowing anybody in, to do churches anymore because of the separation of church and state. She said, that's where God wants us to start our church. And less than three months later, they opened their church in that building.
he went, he went through this whole story that now, like six, seven years have gone by, they have five campuses running over 6,000 people. How they got a $2 million piece of property for $800,000, and he, he convinced the owner into financing like 300000 and she didn't even want to even sell it to him. It was an incredible story, and I was just sitting there blown away by the stories. But then he made this statement, and this is what impacted me, and I want to say this to you. And in fact, I'm going to put it up on the screen. He said, he said he was challenged by the Holy Spirit of late. And he said, because we, I, we learned, he said, I was challenged and I realized that the more successful we become in our own doing, the less we tend to walk by faith. He said, in the beginning, we had nothing. We had no one. We, we were desperate in need of God for everything. And we were on our knees praying and calling out to God and, and saying, Lord, if this is you, you're going to have to open some doors. We don't know where to go. And God just began to do it. But they were on their face before God. He said, now, he said, we have a team. We have five campuses, and we want to open another one, and we figured it's going to cost $2.5 million. He said, so I get my team together, and we're planning it out. Where would be the place to go, and where would we have the greatest impact, and who do we need to network with, and realty, and all this kind of stuff. He said, we got, we got talented people, skilled people, connected people, and we planned out the whole thing, and then we turn around and ask God to bless it. He said, in the beginning, we were, we were God, what do we do? He said, now, with success under our belt, we do everything on our own. And we're really not living by faith. And so God challenged him with a word. He said, when, and he called him by name, and he said, when was the last time you had to truly step out in faith in God? When was the last time you truly had to step out in faith in God? I mean, really step out in faith. Oh, we say things like, well, I'm just trusting the Lord on this. But I'm talking about stepping out. Come on now, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm stepping out where the next step, you don't have an idea where that's going to land. He said, when was the last time? And he said, God just raked him over the coals, and he began to break down and cry and weep and fast before the Lord. He said, Lord, he said, forgive us for our foolishness and our arrogance and our... He said, look, we say, look what we've done. And he said, we've done it. But what, was this what you wanted? Was this what, you know? I mean, and, 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 and it brought back that scripture that the just shall live by faith. The just are going to live by faith in God. Not faith in trusting that God will uphold our plans. Am I making any sense here? I'm about to finish. He said, when was the last time you lived by faith? I think of Noah. Noah 
is an incredible story because God meets him. He, he, he says, I, I, I'm sorry I even created man. The wickedness screams in my ears. You're, you have found favor with me, so you and your family are saved. I want you to build an ark. He gives them the description, the blueprint, how, how big, how tall. I mean, wh- how to... I mean, he tells them meticulously every detail of how to build that thing and that what he's going to do is fill it with all the animals and then he's going to put his family in. He's going to bring a flood. They have no clue what any of that means. Right? And we don't know exactly how many years it took Noah to build it, but most theologians and scholars will tell you it took him probably between 50 and 75 years. That's a long time. That's a lifetime for some of most of us. And God had told him what he was going to do. And here's, what, here's the thing that got me. Nowhere from the time that God told him to the time that God said, now the rain's coming, and that I'm going to seal you in. Nowhere does it say God spoke to Noah in the process. Now, listen listen to me. Because I believe this is what the Lord is saying for, for his church for this coming year. And I don't want to get wrong because I wrote it down. God was silent all those years to Noah, but he had given him a tremendous word. But from the moment he gave it to him to the moment it was time to go inside, there is no record of him saying, Noah, hadn't forgot you, boy. Doing a good job. Keep going. There's nothing. And yet today in the church, We want a word from God to encourage us to continue on what God has already told us to do. We want a sign that we're on the right path. And I wrote this down last night because I said, Lord, this is kind of hard. But I said, I'm going to write this down because I don't want to get it wrong. And here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, If God spoke and gave directions, why should he have to reassure us along the way? Who are we that we should demand of God, please let me know I'm on the right path. Give me a sign. You know who asks for signs? Pharisees, Sadducees, and they already knew the truth. Why should he need to tell us again what he's already told us once? See, there comes a point in our life where we have to stop discussing it, talking about it, thinking about it, praying about it. Don't get me wrong. There's time for discussion. There's time for talking. There's time for reflection. And there's time for praying. But, you know, most Christians, their answer for everything is, well, what are you going to do? Why, what, what, what are you gonna? I'm praying about it. They never get off praying about it. And the problem is they're really not praying about it. It's just what they're saying they're doing. 
They're sitting on it is what they're doing. And there comes a point when we have to stop listening to Pastor Bob talk about it and we have to get up off our blessed assurance and begin to put our faith into action. We need to step out in faith. We need to do something that shows our faith in God is working in our life. It has to be more than just words. Actions speak louder than words. I'll let you in on the first step, and the first step of faith is always the hardest step. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. When the disciples were in the boat and they saw what they thought was a ghost coming and then they realized it was Jesus and they said, Lord, if it's you, bid us come. And it says, come. They're looking at one another going, you go, you go, you go. And Peter goes to put his feet over the side and I, can, I know how the mother guys were. They're all going, 10 to 1, he goes under. <laughs> he, he can't walk on water. And yet he starts walking. And as soon as he starts walking, all the guys on the boat are going, I knew he could do it. That's my man. That's how fickle people are. Church people especially. Oh, we've tried that before and it failed. Maybe because your timing was wrong. Or maybe because your attitude was wrong. Or maybe God wasn't in it at that time. I don't know. You say... What do you do when you know something is God's will and you know it's the right thing to do, but you're scared out of your mind to do it? Do it anyway. I'm just telling you. You've got to move against your fears. You do the very thing you fear the most, and that's courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving in spite of it. It's moving forward in spite of it. And once you start doing it by faith, the faith that comes once you make that first step, the miracle then takes place. And it's easier to take the next step. And then another miracle takes place, and it's easier to take the next step. See, we want God to lay out all the steps for us and let us know every single detail that's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and how it's going to turn out. And, and, and he's not going to do that. Now, I know some people are going to say, well, Pastor, I'm getting a little too old for this launching out stuff, for this stepping out in faith. Well, Joshua was 80 when he crossed over you know, for what God had for him. And, and as far as I'm concerned, you're never too old to make the rest of your life the best of your life. I'd rather the last five years of my life or last 10 years of my life be greater than the first 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it means. Some people are saying, well, I'm praying and I'm waiting for the right time or conditions. Well, I have a word for you. It's from Ecclesiastes. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Never. You say, well, when did God put that in there? It's always been in there. It's always been there. See, God doesn't force us to do something. He doesn't bully us into doing something. He just brings us to a place where we have a choice to make. I read this to you, and we're going to close. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 says, But the people who know their God, know their God. Say, know their God. Know their God. Know their God. Know 
their God. Not no God. <laughs> you know, those that go no to God, no. Know their God shall be strong and do what? Great exploits. And, and this is the word. The Holy Spirit spoke to me all week long about this for the church today. And that is this. That 2023 will be a time that will separate those that say they walk by faith and those that actually do walk by faith. Amen. He said, well, what's going to happen? I don't know. I sense that very strong. He said, I'm going to separate them. I'm going to make it clear. Those who just got the right talk, know the right jargon, know how to make it look good. God said, I'm going to bring some things to pass. They're either going to be able to say, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have deposited with him against the day for when he comes back again. Or those who are just blowing hot air. They're going to fade. They're going to wither like dry grass in the summer without rain. We need to determine this day. Each and every one of us need to determine this day that this year will be a year that your faith is stretched and great things for God will be accomplished through your life for the glory of Jesus' name. And I'm going to tell you these last seven words. The end of that Zoom call with those pastors, many of them had to leave. I was staying to the end because this man had just punctured like my spirit just with, with the word he was speaking, the challenge he was giving. And they asked him just to close us out in prayer, simple prayer. He was no dynamic speaker or anything like that. He was just an easygoing guy. And he prayed a simple prayer for the pastors who are listening. And he said these seven words at the end of his prayer. You ever have that happen? Holy Ghost just hits you square between the eyes. And you sit there and go, whoa. He rocked my world. And it may not impact a single one of you, but I hope I'm wrong. And he said these seven words, and then he said, amen. He said, don't let your eyes fool your faith. That has been sitting inside of me for two months. I said, I told him, I sent him a note. I said, brother, I'm about to preach that message. I'm going to let it sit like a pot of gumbo on the back burner, you know, for a while. And get, let it get right, you know. I mean, oh, but don't let your eyes 
fool your faith. This year, God is going to open what seemingly seems like impossibilities. And in the natural, that's the way it looks. And in the natural, we say it doesn't add up on the bottom line. In the natural, we say, well, the people won't like that. In the natural, we say, well, uh, we don't want to offend anybody. In the natural, we're going to say, don't let your eyes fool your faith. If God tells you to do something, God gives you specific direction. God tells you this is what is in store for you. This is the direction I want you to go. Don't let your eyes look at the natural things and fool your faith and miss God. Don't do it. How many of you this morning ready to say God? I'm giving you everything this year. Increase, stretch me, stretch my faith. Give me ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I want to be used for your kingdom purposes. If that's what you are willing to say to God at this moment, if you're able to stand, I invite you to stand all across this place. We're just going to make this a corporate declaration of prayer I'm just telling you there are going to be great opportunities that will not even look like an opportunity We're looking for a door that swings wide open and it might just be the crack. And when you see it, Holy Spirit goes, look what I can do in that. And immediately our mind goes, oh Lord, if it was really you, you'd have to, you'd have to really open that opportunity. You'd have to no, God said, are you willing to step out and believe that? I, if, if he's speaking to you, I'm just telling you, he's going to do it. This will be the year. He's going to separate those who do walk by faith and not by sight. And those who just say it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for the new year that's before us. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow brings or next week or next month or next year. God, we're living for today. All we can do is promise you each and every day that you give us breath that you give us life, that, Father, we would say, let us be a holy sacrifice. Let us be the one who says, Lord, here am I, use me. Even as Isaiah said, who can we send, Lord? And he jumped up and yelled, here am I, use me. Father, stretch our faith from faith to faith, from the moment of belief, to the time we take our last breath. Let us be growing. Let us be stretching. Let us be, be enlarged in our thinking and in our spirit, Lord God. For your glory, for your kingdom purposes. And do not let 
our eyes fool our faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, faithful. Yes, and amen. If you need prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. Oh, Rabba Basanda, Rabba Hatta, Rabba Sasa.